Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you today? All right. Hey, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. Now, I know last week Mike said that he would be here to continue us in our series in Proverbs. And then I got a text from Mike on Monday with a happy face. And whenever I get happy face texts or emails from Mike, it's never happy. So I don't know why he sends me the happy face. But what he said is, hey, I'm starting to get sick. So get ready. And so I was like, all right, well, that works because I've already been working on some talks for later on in this Proverbs series. And so God just decided that he wanted one of those fast tracks. So I was like, thanks for that, God. That's great. (laughs) So we're going to be continuing today in our series in Proverbs. And what Mike was going to share, we'll just bring in later on in the series later this summer. But it's going to really work out because uh, one of the things Mike talked about last week is how that the book of Proverbs really helps us understand the path to life. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, a proverb that talks about the path that God has put us on. And so uh, if you are new to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs are these sayings that are general principles for how life works. And so the, the person who seeks to be wise takes these principles and seeks to apply them for their, into their life. Now, how many of you are old enough to realize that simply growing older doesn't mean wisdom? Yes, Right. That's why we're looking in Proverbs. It doesn't matter how old you are. We all need to grow in this area. And so they were, a lot of them were written by Solomon, considered to be one of the wisest men who ever lived on the earth, to share his wisdom with others. And so before we jump into the one we're going to take a look at today, I have a question for you as we get started. Have you ever seen the sunrise? Some of you are like, what is that, right? Yeah, the sunrise. It's a beautiful thing when you watch that sunrise. And one of the most beautiful sunrises I've ever seen in my life was in college. And I had signed up to take an elective PE course called Outdoor Survival. So I was all excited about this. I should have read the syllabus a little bit more because the final for this class was they were going to take us up into the mountains and drop us off on our own with no other people around us. And we had to survive for 24 hours by ourselves. And it was a pass or fail final. (laughs) Survive, you pass. Die, you fail. And so all we had with us was a little water bottle, a little survival kit, and the clothes on our back. And I remember it was the most miserable nights of my life. Because all the survival theory we learned in class looked great in books. But putting that in the practice. And I remember I made this shelter with some pine needles and thought that would take care of me, and it didn't. And so I slept in this little plastic bag that was in my survival pack, and I don't recommend that. And I shivered, and I shivered, and I shivered until I think I shivered myself unconscious. And then I remember awakening in the pre-dawn early morning, just miserable and bitterly cold, and realizing if I don't get up and start moving, I think I will die. And so I climb out of my shelter, and I begin to walk around in the darkness, just shivering and hunched over, trying to generate some body heat, until I discover this little path. And I thought, well, I'm going to follow this because it's better than bumping into these trees like I've been doing. And so I walk this path until it comes out onto the edge of a valley. And the path begins to make these switchbacks down into the valley. And it's starting to get bright enough that I can see my surroundings. And I realize that I'm on this precipice of this large valley. And as I look at across, I see the mountain range in the distance. And I see something amazing happening in the sky over there. Because the sky is starting to go from deep black to deep purple to deep blue to bright blue to a lightning blue. And I realize as I'm looking across that I'm about to see the sunrise. And I go from a moment of standing, standing in bitter cold shivering to seeing this epic thing take place in front of my eyes where the sun cracks open the sky. And in the moment I am washed in light and warmth. And I go from shivering to just standing open like this. And in that moment, I realized I'm going to live. And it was a wonderful feeling. And in that moment, I realized this stupid one-unit class is not going to throw off my GPA. It's going to be okay. And I remember standing there as the light and warmth of the sun washed over me, just like feeling and realizing this is what it's like to encounter God. And when he shows up in your life, when you meet Jesus and who he is and why he came and what he wants to do for you, it's like the light gets turned on and you go from deep darkness and misery into experiencing life and love and warmth like you never knew before. And that's why we follow him, isn't it? 
because he's the one who's turned the lights on. And we're told that if we keep following after him, he'll keep turning the lights up and he'll lead us into more and more about the truth of life. He'll lead us more into the truth about ourselves, who we are and why we're so messed up. And he'll lead us into the truth about him and who he is and why he is so good and what he's done for us. And he'll lead us into the truth about this world and why it is such a dark place and yet his grand plan to reclaim it and remake it once again. And so today we're going to take a look at a proverb that talks about this, this path that God has for us as we follow after him. And we're going to take a look at the implications for what this has for our lives as followers of Jesus. So if you could do me a couple of favors, get your Bibles out and open them up to the book of Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. And if you have those message notes, there's some verses we're going to be taking a look at that are on those notes that will help you follow along. Proverbs will be in the middle of your Bible, so if you're kind of new to your Bible, kind of open it to the middle. You'll most likely hit Psalms, and then go to the right until you hit the book of Proverbs. And go to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look at two verses. One proverb, two verses, Proverbs 4, 18 through 19. So let's pray as we get ready to jump in. Father, we come into your presence in this moment, and Lord, we look into your word, and we ask that you would reveal yourself to us, that you you would show us truth, that you would turn the lights on more and more in our life today as we look at your word, that you'd help us understand what what it means and what it looks like to walk the path that you're leading us on. And so we look to you to teach us and guide us. Would your spirit have sway with us in this place today? Amen. Amen. All right, Proverbs 4, 18 through 19. Solomon writes these words, and this is what he says. He says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And here in this simple proverb, Solomon spells out for us that there are two paths in which we can take as we live life. There's the first way, which he calls the path of the righteous, which is living life the way God has designed it. That's what the word righteous means. The word righteous simply means this. It means living life right, living life according to God's design, living life on his terms. And so a person who's seeking to walk the path of the righteous is a person who's seeking to live life according to the way God intended it, the way God designed it. The idea of being righteous is the idea of being straight. And so the path of the righteous is the straight path. That's one path. That's one one choice before us. But then Solomon says, but there's another way, another path that people can take in life. And he calls that the way of the wicked. And it's in contrast to the first path. The way of the wicked is about living life wrong. It's about living life according to my design. It's about living life according to what I want to do. It's living life on my terms, not on God's terms. It's living life in hostility and in opposition to him. And so Solomon says there are two paths to take, and we can choose which one we want to walk on. So imagine with me that you and I were walking on a trail, and suddenly we come to a fork in the road. And we realize that to continue on our journey, we have to make a choice between these two paths. How do we decide which way we're going to go? Now here's what the wise person will do. The wise person will come to that point and they will ask this question. What is the destination of each of these paths? Because that's going to help me determine which choice I'm going to take. And as cool as it is in our culture today to say it's all about the journey, understand that the journey is taking you somewhere and you want to understand where that is going where you're headed so you know which journey to take and so let's look at some proverbs that help us understand the destination of each of these paths in case you haven't figured it out yet proverbs 24 19 through 20 they're on your message notes this first one this is what it says it says do not fret because of evil men or be envious of the wicked And have you ever been in that place where you just see that person who could care less about God, could care less about anyone else, they're living life on their terms, and they're just having their way, and they're succeeding. And you fret, you're upset about this. God, why do they succeed? And maybe you're even tempted to say, God, why am I trying to do it your way when this looks like it's such an easier way to success? And so what this proverb says is don't fret, don't be envious, and here's why. For the evil man has no what? 
future. And the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. So they're having their day today, but that's all they have. Proverbs eleven seven it says this. When the wicked man dies, his hope, what? Perishes. And all he expected from his power comes to nothing. It's like that bumper sticker says. He who dies with the most toys dies. Right? (laughs) And so the person who's living life on their terms, who's humming Frank Sinatra in their head, I did it my way. Good luck. Proverbs 14.32. When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down. Now it's important to understand that on either path, both will face hardship, both will face struggle. But there's a difference between what's the experience of the person depending on what path they are. So when calamity comes, the wicked are brought down. But even in what? Death. The righteous have a refuge. Do you understand that death is not the end of the story? And that he's leading us into glory. Proverbs eleven twenty three. it says this. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. That as we begin to say, God, give me your heart. I want to do life on your terms. I want to walk the path of the righteous. That as we embrace that, it's going to end only in good for us. But the hope of the wicked only in wrath. And then Proverbs eleven nineteen, The truly righteous man attains life. But he who pursues evil goes to his death. And so we see the destination of each, point, each path. And let's just be honest, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out which is the better choice to take, right? And you know, let me ask you a question. Have you ever found it difficult to walk the path of the righteous? Have you ever found it difficult to embrace life on God's terms? And to try to live life the way he wants you to live? Because I know in my journey, I find this difficult all the time. And left to ourselves, you and I will always struggle to do this. And let me share with you a few reasons why. This, this isn't on your notes, so this is just a freebie for coming today. <laughs> Here's why you and I, on our own, left to ourselves, will always struggle to walk the path of the righteous. First reason is this. Your problem and my problem is this. We are bent. And the path of the righteous is the straight path. But when we rebelled as a race, when we shoved it in God's face and said, we don't want you to be God, we know better, we're going to take it upon ourselves, something in us broke as a race. The image of God in which we were created was shattered beyond self-repair. And ever since then, we have been a people living in rebellion, and we are by nature now bent. And this is crazy if you think about it. Because God is the source of all goodness, all beauty, and all truth. And you would think that the thing that we would want more than anything is that, because that's what we were created to experience. You would think that we would be running towards him and running after him with everything we've got, but that's not what we do, is it? We run from him as fast as we can because we would rather have life on our terms. I remember seeing this illustrated so well this past week in the life of my youngest daughter. We were celebrating 4th of July at some of our friend's house. And so we brought our family over there. And they have two little girls as well, but their girls are a lot younger. So we go to the house and we start seeing our daughters play with their toys. But my oldest daughter, Indy, gets bored real fast because they're just baby toys. You know, my girls are advanced now. They're older. So these are just baby toys. But my youngest daughter, Brooklyn, she finds this little baby toy and she's just taken with it. And so she goes over to the corner of the room and just puts it on this little stool and starts playing with it for like an hour. And so the day goes on. We've already eaten dinner. It's time to have dessert before we're getting ready to go out and watch the fireworks that night. And so we get dessert ready, and it is brownies with chocolate Oreo ice cream on top. I mean, you want to talk about goodness, beauty, and truth. We are about to experience it in this moment. And so I see Brooklyn in the corner playing this childish game, and I say, hey, Brooklyn, dessert, let's go. And she doesn't even look. She just stands there playing her toy and she says, don't want it. And I'm thinking, what? she must not understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I go over to her and I get down next to her and I say, Brooklyn, it's brownies with 
ice cream that they put cookies into it. And she looks at me and says, don't want it. (laughs) And I do what any good father would do in that moment. I take that childish toy away from her and I scoop her in my arm and I walk her over to the table and I put her in front of this good, beautiful, true thing. And she throws a fit. Don't want it, don't want it, don't want it. And I realize in that moment that she is bent. Because I've given her my genetic code and I know she should want this thing. But there's something deeply wrong and she is settling for a childish toy that is beneath her in the face of something good. And I realize that is exactly like me with God. Because he comes to me and wants to give me his goodness, show me his beauty, show me truth. And I look at him and say, don't want it. And I run after childish things in this world thinking that that is what I want. See, he sent us his son to lead us home, to show us the way. And this is what John says about this world, how this world responded to Jesus when he came. John 1, 5, it says this. It says, the light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. See, one of the reasons why we will always have a hard time on our own, in and of ourselves, walking the path of the righteous is because it's the straight path, but we are bent. Here's another reason why you and I will always have a hard time, in and of ourselves, walking the path of the righteous. Sin, that's doing what is wrong, not doing what is right. Have you been there? Anyone? A few of us? Yeah. Sin is easy. Have you figured that out yet? It's like we come to that that fork in the trail and we look at the two paths before us and the path of the righteous, which is what God has designed us for. We look at that and it looks incomprehensibly impossible for us. It's like trying to climb a precipice and we're like, God, how on earth am I supposed to do that? And then we look at the way of the wicked and oh my goodness, this looks so easy. It's like a stroll through a park and it's air conditioned, right? I mean, let me ask you a question. What is easier to do when somebody hurts you, when somebody wrongs you, when somebody harms you? What is easier for you to do? To lash out at them and to seek to hurt them and harm them and do do to them what they've done to you? Or to choose to forgive them and seek to love them the way God has loved you? Which is easier? Man, slashing their tires in the parking lot is is a cakewalk, right? Sin is easy. Here's a third reason why you and I will always have a hard time in and of ourselves on our own walking the path of the righteous. The good, that which we should do, is not always obvious to us. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something really stupid with the best of intentions? Yeah. Have you ever bought something that you knew you could not afford? But they made a really good offer, right? No interest, no payments for three months. Ooh, I know I can't afford this, but all my friends have it. All the cool people have it. It's the next biggest and best. I don't, no, okay, I will have this paid off in three months. And it's three years later and you're still paying it off. See, and in that moment, the good, which was not obvious, would have been to have embraced contentment and exercised self-control instead of saying, no, i got to keep up with the Joneses and giving in to the greed of a culture that doesn't know what to do with all the stuff we have. Or how about this? Have you ever gotten into a dating relationship with someone that turned out to be really bad? And if you're sitting next to them, you don't have to agree out loud right now. Right, So you run into a relationship that turned out to be really bad, but you had the best of intentions going into it. Well, God, you've created me for a relationship. You've designed me to experience love. I mean, Adam and Eve, from the beginning, you said it wasn't good for the man to be alone, so it's not good for me to be alone. And I don't know if they're the right person, and some people are telling me maybe not or slow down, or maybe I'm not the right person right now, but I'm not going to listen because I am made to love. 
And you wake up one day and you're like, what is going on? Who is this person? And the good wasn't obvious to you because back in that moment you're realizing the decision I'm making is to worship love instead of the one who is love and to trust him and his timing for my life, his terms, his plan. See, there's a proverb that's put in the book of Proverbs two times. Exact same proverb. It's not an editorial mistake. It's a proverb that you read, and then you come back and you read it again. You're like, wait, why is this in there twice? It's a proverb that freaks us out. This is what it says in Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. The same proverb two times. It says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Do you know how much that freaks me out? What that means is my journey, as I'm going along, I could see something, come to an opportunity, a situation, a circumstance, and I think, wow, this looks really great. And I start running down that path with everything I've got, and I'm running to my destruction, and I don't even know it. Okay, what hope does a person like me who is bent, who can sin without even thinking about it, who doesn't even know the good when it's in front of him, What hope does a person like me have in being able to walk the path of the righteous? What hope do you have? And then we discover the beautiful thing about following Jesus. Is that Jesus makes it possible for people like us to walk the path of the righteous when we begin to understand what God has done for us through Jesus, we suddenly realize that I have hope now to walk the path of the righteous. So let's unpack that hope for a minute. Let's talk about the hope that you and I can have in following Jesus as we seek to walk the path of the righteous. Here's the first reason that you can have hope in being able to walk the path of the righteous despite knowing everything about yourself. First reason you can have hope is this. God puts us on the path. See, he lifts you and me up to that which we cannot attain in and of ourselves. Let's look at a couple of verses, a couple of passages of scripture here that Paul writes in the New Testament. Paul writes this in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He says this, For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Okay, what is the way of the wicked like? It's like deep darkness. And so God has rescued us from that path. And he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have found redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So God pulls us off the path of the wicked, and he puts us on the path of the righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has paid the price for our failure. And now God lifts us back to the path for which we were created to walk in the first place. And then look at how Paul puts it in Titus 3, 3 through 7. I love how he starts it here. This is how you make friends. (laughs) At one time, you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. He goes on to say, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Isn't that our world? You just turn on the news and you're like, yep, right there. But... When the kindness and love of, our God, of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, who He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, So that having been justified by grace, by what God has done for us. Justified means to be made right. He has made us straight. By his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. See, man, the reason why we can have hope that we can be on the path of the righteous is because he put us here. Not because of anything you've done. Did you catch that? Not because of your righteousness. And what this means is that as a follower of Christ, we should be marked by a deep sense of humility 
as we walk into the life he's leading us into. Because we have done nothing to get ourselves here. He's done everything to bring us to this point. And what that means is that there is no place for arrogance on the Christian journey. And if you ever find yourself coming to that place where you're starting to get kind of full of yourself, and you're looking around at other people and you're like, yeah, I'm a little bit better than them, whoever them are for you. Let me just tell you, you've taken a quick detour. You're no longer on the path of the righteous. You're now on the path of the self-righteous. And that is just the dressed up version of the way of the wicked. It looks better, but it leads to the same place. Men and women, he's put us on the path. That's the hope that we have. Here's another reason why you and I can have hope in walking the path of the righteous. Not only has he put us on the path, he, God, empowers us on the path. See, God's not like some deadbeat dad that brings us to this place and then abandons us. Okay, figure it out. God is now at work in us. He's put his spirit in us to give us what we need so we can begin to live the life that he has freed us to live. Look at how Paul puts it here in Philippians 2, 12 through 13, writing to these Christians whom he helped get this church started. He's writing from prison to them now at a later point, and he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the idea of what he's saying here is figure out what it means to live life in light of the fact that you have now been saved. And he says, do it with fear and trembling. Hey, I don't want to mess this thing up. Remember what Mike taught last week as we started the series? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So don't you ever forget who he is in your life. Because that will help you as you try to figure out what it means now to live out the salvation. And then look at what he says. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You understand that God is at work in your life, helping you figure out what it means to live life according to his good purpose, according to his design. What he's saying here is that God is at work giving you the desire to will and the ability to do what he wants. You understand what hope I have that this is maybe even possible, remotely possible for a guy like me? It's because it doesn't depend on a guy like me. I am on the path because he has put me here. And I have hope that I can walk the path because he's at work in me making me into the man that I was created to be, the man he has saved and rescued. And that's the hope that you and I can have in walking the path, that we understand that we're here because he's brought us here and he's doing something in us. So in light of that hope, how then do we walk the path? If God has brought me here and God is empowering me to do it, what does it look like then for me to walk the path of the righteous? To follow him into the light, to experience him growing me and changing me. This is what it would look like then in light of that hope that we have. Some things to understand then about walking the path. Here's the first thing to understand about walking the path. Walking the path is a partnership with him. Walking the path is a partnership with him. And now let me be very, very clear what I mean by partnership. I am not talking about a partnership of equals, right? As if we're walking on the path and there's a fork in the road and I'm like, hey God, which way? That way? No, I kind of want to go this way. Let's flip, let's flip a coin for it, right? No, this is not a partnership of equals. What I mean by a partnership with God is that you and I begin to cooperate with him and what he is already doing in us. And what that means is that this is now a relationship of submission and surrender to him. Okay, God, I submit to your leadership, to what you're doing in my life. And God, I surrender my rights to live life on my terms. And I embrace life on your terms. And I'm gonna partner with you to cooperate with that to figure out what it means. 
There's this great Proverbs that kind of helps paint a picture of this really well. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. If you were here last week, we looked at this proverb last week. I guarantee you in this proverb series, we will look at this proverb again. It is a great proverb to help us understand what it looks like to walk with him. So this is what it says, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Can I just tell you that's the complete opposite of how I like to do it? I like to trust in the Lord when it makes sense, when it feels good. I like to trust him in, in, in him enough and then really figure it out on my own because that's comfortable for me. You understand that's the complete opposite of how God likes to work in your life? He likes to say, let's go this way. God, that doesn't make sense. Are you going to trust me or not? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And then we do this. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths what? Straight. The path of the righteous is the straight path. And so we acknowledge him in all areas of our life. So God, what do you want from me? God, with my life, what do you want with me, with my dreams, with my career, with my finances, with my sexuality? God, what do you want from me? I'm going to acknowledge that you're God and you have the right to have your way. So what do you want? And then God shows up and we respond. What this means is that for you and I, if we're followers of Christ, our operating default mode should be to always go with God every time, no matter what. Because he knows what he's doing. And you and I can trust that he is good. Because if he sent his son to free us, how could we ever doubt the goodness of a God who loves us like that? And the sad thing is we don't. And when we take the reins in our hands, we go back to the way of the wicked and suddenly we're in deep darkness, stumbling around, and I don't have a clue what's going on. Okay, God, I've been there enough to know that my way doesn't work. And so even though I don't always get what you're doing, if I'm going to be honest, I don't always like what you're doing. I'm going to trust you with everything I've got. And I'm not going to try and figure it out. I'm just going to say, show me. Because God, I've walked with you long enough to see that when you turn the lights on, it makes sense. And a lot of times I have to take those steps with you before the lights turn on. And then I'm like, oh, duh, stupid me. (laughs) Of course he knows what he's doing. And our job is to learn to listen to him as he leads us on the path and respond to what he desires from us. It's learning to listen to his spirit now at work within us. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, who God was going to put in us as we follow after him. John 16, 13, Jesus says this, But when he, the Spirit of what? Truth comes, he will guide us into all truth. You want to understand more of the truth about life. You listen to his Spirit at work in you. As you're reading in his word and the Spirit is bringing to light the truth he's given to us in his word, You begin to live your life the best you can in light of that. You listen to the Spirit stirring you towards things or away from things and you respond to that. And He will continue to lead you more and more into all truth as you walk the path with Him. So walking the path is a partnership with Him. Here's something else that it is. Walking the path is a process of transformation. It's a process of transformation. Proverbs 4.18, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. You understand that the light you've seen in following him is a pale reflection of the light he still wants to lead you into. You haven't seen anything yet. And God wants to lead you into more and more light And as you walk with him and respond to him, he's going to grow you and change you into the person you were created to be from the beginning. I love how Paul puts this here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. This is a very beautiful chapter of scripture to read. Sometime on your own, go and read 2 Corinthians 3 and just keep reading in the chapter 4. It's really good stuff. But listen to what he says about this idea of this transformation of what God is doing in us. Paul says this, As we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. So now what Paul is talking about here is a little bit of this idea that when we come to Christ, 
we don't have to play the game anymore. We don't have to wear the masks. We can just be who we are because he came to save us as we are. You don't have to hide anything from him. Hey, you're messed up. Awesome. He came to pay the price for that. Don't hide that from him. We can drop the masks. And then he says, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. And when, do you understand that's what we were created for? That he created us to experience him. To be like him. He created us in his image so that as we did life, we would reflect his glory back to him, to one another, and to this world. That's what we were created to do. That had we not rebelled against him, our lives would have been a life of growing in beauty and truth and goodness. And we would look at one another and be amazed at what we saw in one another. And we would say, that is awesome. What's going on? And you would say, it's God. Isn't he great? But instead we say, look how great I am now. It's all backwards now. And he's coming to set it right once again. And so look at what he says. We with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Our being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You understand what this means? It means that you can become more like him in the next season of life as you walk the path with him in this season of life. And you can experience more of him in the next season of life as you walk with him on the path in this season of life. Do you want more of him? Do you want to become more like him, the person you were created to be? And yet I think oftentimes we would never say this here, but we don't. I think sometimes we want just enough of him to fix my life up, patch up the parts that are broken, and then God, just kind of leave me be. And yet, do you understand that Jesus gave his life to give you new life? And now he wants all of you so he can begin to give you all of I love how C.S. Lewis puts this idea of this transformation of what God's doing. He uses this analogy of a house in his book, Mere Christianity. He says this there on your notes. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. And God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that these jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. Or, I mean, if you've come to Christ and you've discovered who he is and what he's done for you, wasn't part of that process you realizing how much you need him? How much, how much work you have to go on? And so God comes and starts to change your life. Like, I don't know anyone who came to Christ because they, were th- they thought they were so great that they wanted to help him out. I don't know anyone who calls himself a Christian. If that's what you are, you're really not Christian, right? You've missed the point. And so we come to him, and God starts tweaking and fixing, and then we suddenly realize he's going to keep on tweaking and fixing. He's going to meddle and mess with us. So look at how Lewis puts this. He says, But presently he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards— You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? That God wants to grow us into something beyond our wildest dreams. And he wants to give us more of him. And that's what walking the path is like. It's, it's partnering with him as we cooperate with the process of transformation he's doing in our life. And so let me ask you a question. Are you walking the path? I mean, he's brought you here and he's empowering you to do it. So are you walking the path? 
Here's a simple test. Are things in your life getting brighter or are they getting darker? You see, I think a question like that, some of us here could easily answer that question in one of two ways. For some of us, we could say, absolutely, yes, the answer is yes, I'm walking the path because I am seeing the amazing things that God is doing in me, and I know I'm not that great, so I know it's not me. Like, God is turning me upside down and right side up, and he's tweaking and changing, he's growing me, he's challenging me, and my circumstances may not be changing. In fact, they may be getting worse, but I'm changing in the midst of it because of what he's doing in my life. So absolutely, things are getting brighter. Well, at the same time, I think some of us could answer that question just as easily, but in the opposite direction. No is the answer. No, I know I'm not walking the path. Because somewhere on the journey, I looked at what God was leading me into, and I said, don't want it. And I took a detour. And today, as we've been talking, and I talk about the path, you understand it conceptually, but you're no longer experiencing it. In fact, if you were to be honest about what's going on, you would say things are getting darker and darker to the point where you're, not even, you're, you're doubting God at all. And maybe today, as we've been talking, there is this whisper of an echo in your heart. There's an ache for what you once knew. And I, what I want to tell you, friend, is that God is saying today, come home. Come back to the path. For some of us, though, this question might be more difficult to answer. Am I walking the path? For some of you, you might be here and you're honestly saying, I don't know. And, and you would not identify yourself as a Christ follower. You, you would say, I'm kind of checking things out. I'm trying to figure it out. But what you've been talking about, I get it from a distance, but I'm not really experiencing it. And yet within you, there's this sense like Jesus is starting to make sense to you maybe in a way that hasn't before. And what I want you to know is that he's calling you onto the path today. It's that he wants to give you new life. And all you have to do is respond to him. Is to come to him and say, Jesus, would you take me as I am so I can have all of you? I want the forgiveness that you've purchased for me with your life on that cross. And friends, it's a free gift. All you have to do is respond. Now understand it's going to cost you. Because he's going to mess with you. Because he loves you. Some of us would say, you know what, I know I've made that decision. I know he's brought me on the path. But that experience of things growing brighter, it's not happening. And I think what I'd want to help you understand is that, you know what, you're probably on the path, but guess what, you probably stopped walking on the path. And somewhere on your journey, you just settled My bet is you're bored in the journey. Let me tell you, God did not save you so that you would be bored. Jesus said that he came to give us life and give it to the full. And so for you, you're going to need to start taking some steps. And so let me give you a question to ask in your journey as you seek to walk the path that God has brought you to. A question for you to be processing with God as you do life on the path he's brought you on. Here's the question for you and I to be asking him. God, what do you desire from me? God, what do you desire from me? And this is a question that as you wrestle with it in your life on the journey that he has put you on, that will challenge all areas of your life because God wants to mess with you for your good. And in my life, as I wrestle with this question, God, what do you desire from me? He challenges all areas of my life and he's going to challenge areas of your life. He's going to challenge us in our behaviors. And there's going to be times where he's going to come to us and say, okay, it's time for things to change. And this thing that you've been doing, this is no longer right. This is not what I want from you. And so this needs to stop. And so we say, God, what do you desire from me? And he's like, this ends today. And yet the challenge for some of us is we already know that. I've been caught up in this for a long time. God, this deep darkness in my life has its claws on me and I can't stop it. I know the answer to the question, what do you desire from me? But I don't know what to do. 
And the way you wrestle with that question in that situation, you say, God, what do you desire from me about this? And God will show up and begin to challenge you. It's time to make changes in your life. This crowd that you've been running with, that every time you're with them, you always go places you don't want to go or do things you don't want to do. You're going to have to make some tough choices about your friendship. Some of you in this room, you're going to have to go back to dial up because it's way too fast to click to those sites. (gasps) Some of you, God's going to challenge you to start opening your life to people on the journey with you. To be real on the journey and to not play the game anymore. For some of you, God's going to say, I desire that you start hanging out with this group of people on Friday night who are learning to celebrate recovery together. But God's going to want to mess with you and it's not simply in the things that he doesn't want us to do because God's now going to want to mess with you in the areas of what he set you free to do in this world. So God, what do you desire from me and my behaviors? And God's going to come to you and say, okay, the reason you got that promotion, let me tell you now why I got you that promotion. I'm blessing you with affluence, not for yourself, but for the sake of my kingdom and others. Some of you, God's going to come to you and he's going to say, hey, I have something new for you, so drop your job. God, that does not make sense in this economy. (laughs) Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God, what do you desire from me? And God is going to want to mess with you, not just in your behaviors, but he's going to want to mess with you in your attitudes. Because have you ever had a bad attitude about life? And God's going to want to come to you and say, okay, this is what I desire from you with your attitude. It's time to let go of that bitterness. It's time to get over that arrogance. It's time to let me birth the fruits of my spirit in your life. It's time to let me lead you into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And so what I want you to start doing is naming it, not hiding it. God, I got an attitude problem and I need your help. You know, one of the biggest challenges in saying, God, what do you desire from me? Is realizing that oftentimes what God desires is not what I desire. So one of the great things that you can begin to pray in your relationship with him is this. God, would you change my heart? God, I give you permission to mess with me. And God, would you birth your desires in me so that I will begin to desire what you want from me? Because God, I trust that your desires are greater than my desires. And that I will never regret that when I let you have your way with me. And then we ask God the question, God, what do you desire from me? And God starts to show us and we respond and we begin to move in that direction. Realizing that if he doesn't show up, we're done for. That God, I can't do that. And he's like, I know, but I can't in you. So move towards it and let me grow you. God, if you don't show up, this is going to go really bad for me. This is going to be a sick joke. And yet what we need to understand is that God has brought us here not to set us up. He's brought us here to free us. And to lead us into his glory. And so are you walking the path? Because let me tell you, Whatever you've tasted of God, whatever you've experienced of God up to this point, you have not seen anything yet. Because his light is glorious and he wants to lead you into that. And so as we wrap up our time together right now, we're going to go into a time of worship together and we're going to sing some songs of worship to him. And what I want to encourage you to do and invite you to do as we go into these songs together is to bring this question before him in this time. God, what do you desire from me? with my life. And God, you have permission to open every door in my life. And then as God begins to reveal things to you and show you what he wants from you, ask him to help you. 
to move towards it in faith. Do you understand that walking the path of the righteous is an act of faith? Because I can't do any of this unless he's doing it in me. So God, I'm trusting you on the journey. And so let's stand, and would you pray with me as we go into this time? And God, we come before you right now as as a people longing for you, seeking to understand the life that you've given to us, what it means to live in that freedom. And God, we're not bringing anything to the table other than our desire for you. And so God, thank you that it's not dependent on us anymore. That God, you have put us on the path and God, you empower us to walk the path. So teach us what it means to partner with you and to experience the process of what you're doing in our lives. God, we want more. God, we want more of you. God, we want to become the men and women you freed us to become. And so God, would you mess with us today? God, we ask, what do you desire from us? Help us to respond. He's the one that wakes us up. I mean, he's, he's put his light on in our life, and he wants to give us more and more light. And so tomorrow when you wake up, say, God, what do you desire from me today? And the next day when you wake up, God, what do you desire from me today? And respond and respond, and he will lead you on the path of the righteous into the full glory of his Son. And so men and women, never settle for being a cottage. He has so much more for you than that. And so live for him today the best you know how. Let his light shine in you and through you. May others see what he's doing in you and know you're not that great so they ask you what's going on and you point them to him. Let me tell you the one who has awakened to my soul. Let me tell you the one who has shown me things about myself I never understood, and he's freeing me. And then he will unleash his movement amongst us as we follow after him the best we know how. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.